You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. supposed to trust God for themselves. If we can't trust God for ourselves, we are in trouble. Each of us need to be able to trust God in our present situation for ourselves. I can pray for you, but I can't trust God for you. You need to trust God for yourself. Remember, they call it a personal relationship. There's a reason there. It's personal because God wants to be personal with you. The Israelites kept needing deliverers, judges, because they were expecting a leader to provide a surrogate relationship with God. They should have been seeking him themselves, but they didn't want to until they got into trouble. Pastor Dave is reminding us and warning us to seek God for ourselves. That's the only way to stay close to him. Now let's turn to the third chapter of Judges and join Pastor Dave with today's edition of A Sure Hope. Thus the children of Israel dwelt among the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And they took their daughters to be their wives, and they gave their daughters to their sons, and they served their gods. Interesting. God left them there to test them. The word testing here, God wanted to prove them. He wanted to prove their faith. He wanted to prove their faithfulness of Israel to himself, and he also wanted to improve their reliance on him. What was the call from the mountain in Exodus? What was the call? Come out and serve me on this mount. You will be my people and I will be your God. God was going to be, he wanted them to be a theocracy, which is governed by God. The name Israel means governed by God. That's what he wanted. And it's interesting that Samuel mentions all these nations, five lords of the Philistines. And every time I read that, I think of 12 days of Christmas. He says, the king of Moab in verse 25 and the rest. But if we read through and as we read through, if you keep track, the name, the Lord, capital letters, L-O-R-D, meaning Jehovah God, is mentioned no less than 15 times in 31 verses. And I think Samuel did that on purpose to let us know who was really in charge. God was really in charge. This was all God's doing. He had a plan. God was in charge. He says another reason that God left the nations there so that the new generation might know war. That's interesting. Living in the land of promise had become easy. Israel needed to be challenged by an ever-present danger. And the danger was compromised with the world. Plus, the Israelites didn't have a very good army. And they needed to be prepared in case other nations would come in and try to sack them and try to get rid of them. The people had to be prepared for war. And as we continue on in the word of God, we're going to see that both King Saul and King David kept very effective armies. And they used those armies to quell any uprising that would come against their way. Now, what does it mean for us Christian? I've said this before. The Christian life that we live is not a playground. It is a battlefield. We are at war. We have an enemy. 
We need to know war, but we also need to know that greater is he in us than he is in the world. He's the conqueror. He is the conqueror. He has conquered. And in Christ Jesus, I am what? According to Romans, more than a conqueror. But we need to know what war is like. We need to know that we are in a war. Paul himself says, I don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Oh, he wrestles against all these other things, powers of darkness and principalities and all these crazy things that he wrestles against. There's a spiritual war going on. And Frank and I often are praying and stuff like that. And we say, you know what? We really don't want to see what's going on behind us in the spiritual realm. Because if we saw it, we would probably shake in our boots when we really saw what was happening in the spiritual realm. But we're at war. We're at war with Satan, and he wants to destroy you. He wants to take you down. We're at war with the world. The world wants to take you down. We're at war with our flesh. Our flesh wants to take you down. How do we fight this war? Through the word of God. We fight the war by knowing the word of God, by knowing it richly and letting it dwelling in us. So we can admonish one another, so we can raise one another up, so we can call each other on standards. Hey, man, what about this? You're slipping here. I love you enough to tell you that you're falling down, that you're disobedient to God. I love you enough to tell you that we have a problem here. Why? So that the person you're talking to will confess and repent. Get right with God. Look at the headlines, folks. If you don't think that the days are fast approaching when the Lord is coming, you're sadly mistaken. And it's happening faster and faster and faster and faster. Can't keep up with it. Verse 4 was perhaps the biggest test. The biggest failure of Israel is that they did not show the love of God than of other nations. Instead, they looked at them and said, why should we follow a God when you're not even following this God? You're not even abiding by his commandments. God tested them to see if they would uphold his commandments in the midst of paganism. We're being tested today. We're being tested today constantly in this world. We talk about the world all the time. We're being constantly tested. Will we uphold God? Will they see God in you or will there be no difference between you and the world? And what do they see? Do they see somebody coming against the world in Christ's name? Not on my own strength, but in Christ's name. Or do you see you compromising with the world, being part of the world? And if they don't see a difference between you and the world, why should they accept what you have? See, Israel was curious about these other nations. They were curious about them. And that was the first step toward their conformity. That's the problem with the world. We get curious about something. We see something. Oh, I'm curious about that. I'm curious about that. And most of the times it's just a click away. And we click away and boom. Next thing you know, we're conforming to it. It's so easy. But we have the tools to defeat it. We've been given the tools to defeat it. So what did God do with Israel? He treated them like pagans. He treated them like pagans because they were acting like pagans. They were acting like pagans, so God treated them like pagans. So we read of Israel affairs now. Let's examine what God's faithfulness was because God says, okay, Israel, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take from among you ordinary men and ordinary women, and I am going to raise them up. I'm going to raise them up. I'm not going to impart my spirit upon them so that they are going to now be great leaders among you and deliver you from the hands of those that are oppressing you. Hence the name judges. He raises up ordinary men and women to serve as judges. We look at the first one. His name is Othanel. 
Read in verses 7 through 11. So the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God. They served the Baals and Ashtoreths. Therefore the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he sold them into the hand of Cushan Reshathim, king of Mesopotamia. And the children of Israel served him eight years. Then the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. The Lord raised up a deliverer for the children of Israel who delivered them, Othanel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. The spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he judged Israel. He went out to war, and the Lord delivered the king of Mesopotamia into his hand. And his hand prevailed over the king of Mesopotamia. So the land was at rest for 40 years. Then Othanel, the son of Kenaz, died. The first judge is raised up. Right away, in sentence seven, you see what the problem is. Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. Remember what we said, anything you do, you do in the sight of the Lord. The Lord sees everything you do. The Lord knows everything you think. The Lord knows every action you take, every reaction you give. The Lord knows whether it's of him or not. The Lord knows when you serve somebody that tea or that water, are you doing it for him or are you doing it for yourself? The Lord knows. He knows. Israel did evil in sight of the Lord. Yes, the Lord saw it and went, oy vey. What are they doing now? Israel forgot the Lord. They started to serve these other gods, the Baals and the Asterisks. The Baals were the gods of agriculture, the gods of rain and of fruit. The Asterisks, they were gods of sex. So they were serving these gods. The Lord anger was hot against them. Man, like I said, this is not a place I want to be. I don't want to be when the Lord's anger comes upon me. But we know from scripture that the Lord chastens those he loves. You can read all about in Hebrews. The Lord chastens. And it's the Hebrews that says, don't despise the chastening of the Lord. And I quite am thankful when the Lord gives me a thump. The Lord just kind of gives me one of those thumps. I'm thankful for that because then I know he keeps me on the right path. If you're doing something and the Lord's not chastising you, I might scratch my head and say, wait a minute, do I have a relationship with the Lord or not? The Lord chastens those he loves. He wants to chasten them. Israel was held in bondage for eight years. Interesting here, you know, in the numerology of the Bible scholars, eight is the number of what? New beginnings. Eight is the number of new beginnings. It's interesting. So they're going to get a new beginning. The children of Israel cry out, Lord, Lord, rescue us. We're sorry. We want to come back to you. Lord, rescue us. Lord has mercy upon them. And he raises up a guy named Othanel. Remember when we studied Joshua, we read about Othanel. He married Caleb's daughter. Remember, Caleb was going to take Hebron. He said, if anybody leads the army against Hebron and is successful, I'll give them my daughter. Well, this Othanel was raised up. He went to battle and He was given Caleb's daughter as a reward. But notice verse 10. It says, the spirit of the Lord came upon him and he judged Israel. And again, remember the word used for judge here means deliver. The spirit of the Lord came upon him. In the Old Testament, the spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit was dispensed at God's will. He dispensed it and gave it to certain people at certain times for certain things. Here, Othanel receives the spirit of the Lord. Why? Because it becomes his strength. It becomes his strength. And if you're not thinking right now of Zechariah 6, 4, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. When we try to go out in our own power, we are powerless. We are helpless 
and we are at the mercy of our enemy. But when we go out in the power of the Holy Spirit, no matter what it is that you're trying to accomplish for the Lord, we have power behind it. It's interesting that I've said this before from this stage, that the Lord will never ask you to do something where he does not empower you to do it. He raised up Othanel to be the deliverer of Israel for this one time. And guess what? He gives them the power through the Holy Spirit to do exactly what he called them to do. Why, oh why, oh why do people reject the Holy Spirit? Why do they grieve the Holy Spirit? Why do they quench the Holy Spirit? I don't want anything apart from the Holy Spirit. I'll run around backwards and howl at the moon. Really? Show me where that's in the scripture. Unfortunately, our Holy Spirit has gotten such a bad rap from misuse that has been rampant But when you apply the scriptures, the Holy Spirit is our helper. He's the one who was sent to us to comfort us, to help us, to lead us in all truth. If it wasn't so great of need of the Holy Spirit, why did Jesus tell the 120, wait in Jerusalem until you receive power? And then he continued, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, there's the power. Othanel received that power. The Holy Spirit came upon him and he had power. God called him, God equipped him, and then Othanel goes out and does the work God called him to do. That's it, folks. That's what happens. You may be called by God to do a certain ministry here at Calvary Chapel. I think it's wonderful. And you may come to me and go, you know, the Lord's put it by my heart that we should have this ministry. And I'll be the first one to say, I'll back you up as much as I can. You want to do it? Let's do it. So we pray about it. Then you pray that the Holy Spirit would give you the want to do that and the energy and the strength. And boom, things start to happen. Only by the Holy Spirit, folks. As we go through Judges, we're going to see Gideon. We're going to see Japheth. We're going to see Samson. They were all empowered by the Spirit of God. And they accomplished everything that the Lord wanted them to do. Listen to this great quote that I found from the director of the Evangelical Alliance Mission. Listen to this quote. The Holy Spirit longs to reveal to you the deeper things of God. He longs to work through you. Through the blessed Holy Spirit, you may have strength for every duty, wisdom for every problem, comfort for every sorrow, and joy in his overflowing service, unquote. I love that. That about sums it up, folks. That about sums it up. The Holy Spirit gives power to Othanel. Notice that the Lord is also gracious and he has mercy because there's no evidence that Israel ever repented of their sin. And we're going to see why in a minute. But there's much evidence of God's never-ending mercy. Othanel rules for 40 years. And although he managed the nation and had authority over it, it was his spiritual leadership that kept the nation going. We should never underestimate what God can do to somebody who's completely devoted to him and filled to overflowing with and empowered by the Holy Spirit. We should never underestimate. We have no power outside the Holy Spirit. None at all. The cycle continues. Let's read the next verses, 12 through 30. Children of the Lord again did evil in the sight of the Lord. Well, I guess they didn't learn their lesson. We're starting all over again, folks. So the Lord strengthened Eglon, king of Moab, against Israel because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. Then he gathered to himself the people of Ammon and Amalek, went and defeated Israel and took possession of the city of Palms. So the children of Israel served Eglon, king of Moab, 18 years. 
But when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for them, Ehud, the son of Gerah, a Benjamite, a left-handed man. By him, the children of Israel sent a tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now Ehud made himself a dagger. It was double-edged and a cubit in length and fastened it under his clothes on his right thigh. So he brought the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now Eglon was a very fat man. And when he had finished presenting the tribute, he sent away the people who had carried the tribute. But he himself turned back from the stone images that were at Gilgal and said, I have a secret message for you, king. O king. And he said, keep silence. And all who attended him went out from him. So Ehud came to him. Now he was sitting upstairs in his cool private chamber. Then Ehud said, I have a message from God for you. So he reached across from his seat. Then Ehud reached with his left hand, took the dagger from his right thigh and thrust it into his belly. Even the hilt went in after the blade and the fat closed over the blade. For he did not draw the dagger out of his belly and his entrails came out. You know, the Bible can be graphic at times, can it? Then Ehud went out through the porch and shut the doors of the upper room behind him and locked them. When he had gone out, Eglon's servants came to look, and to their surprise, the doors of the upper room were locked. So they said, he's probably attending to his deeds in the cool chamber. So they waited until they were embarrassed, and still he had not opened the doors to the upper room. Therefore, they took the key and opened them, and there was their master fallen dead on the floor. But he who had escaped while they delayed and passed beyond the stone images and escaped to Sierra. And it happened when he arrived that he blew the trumpet in the mountains of Ephraim and the children of Israel went down with him from the mountains. And he said to them, follow me, for the Lord has delivered your enemies, the Moabites, into your hand. So they went down after him, seized the fords of the Jordan leading to Moab and did not allow anyone to cross over. And at that time, they killed about 10,000 men of Moab, all stout men of valor, not a man escaped. So Moab was subdued that day under the hand of Israel, and the land had rest for 80 years. Once again, same thing happens. The cycle continues. They did evil in the sight. 40 years, they were great. 40 years, they did well. But they started to slide back. Once again, they forgot God. You would think, if anything, they would have gratitude for what God had done for them and served the Lord continually, but it didn't happen that way. This is so true in our lives. God does miraculous things in our midst. And right away, we're looking for the next thing that he should do. We have people who are in great need. We have people with a host of problems, horrible problems, bad problems. But when God does a miracle in one of those problems, all they can do is, yeah, but what about this one? Let's stop and give praise to the Lord for what he has done. Stop, give praise to the Lord, give him thanks, continue on serving him, and watch how he wants to work in your life to the other problems that you have. But no, because he only took one problem out of four, we're upset. Where are you now, God? How come he only took one problem out of four? Well, I healed you of cancer, isn't that enough? Well, no, God, you didn't do this, you didn't do that. I mean, we're so fleshly, we're all the same way. There's no, I'm not, hey, listen. I'm just like that. We forget. We forget his faithfulness. We sang about it tonight. My gosh, all the songs that were picked out. No coincidence that the Holy Spirit had Frank pick those songs out. All of them sang about his faithfulness. All of them sang about his worth. 18 years for them to say, no, 
enough, enough. 18 years. You would think after the first time they would cry out to God, but they didn't. Once again, the parents and priests failed to teach the younger generation about the Lord. The older generation neglected their duties. They didn't give the younger generation an example to follow. We talked about that. But they did cry out. And God once again heard their cries. And God once again answered them and acted accordingly. He raised up a deliverer, Ehud. Ehud was an interesting man. You should do a study of him and find out all about him. It mentions his left hand. He was left-handed. And many seem to think that his right hand was damaged in some way, that he had to use his left hand. And I was reading some information that I'll share with you and that the Benjamites at that time were known to be ambidextrous. They could use both hands. But for some reason, it says he was left-handed. He had a problem with one hand. But he used that in a mighty, mighty way. He had a strategy that was given to him by the Lord and he followed the strategy. He's obscure, but certainly he was God's choice to lead the nation. And I go back with you. He's looking for a few men and women who won't get big heads and say, look what we did, but we'll be able to say, look what God did for us so that this nation might return to God. And you can read that very verse in 2 Chronicles 16, 9. It's one of my favorite verses. Paraphrasing, it says, the Lord is looking to and fro throughout the land that he can find himself someone to show strong on their behalf. God is still looking for those people today. He's looking. God chose this person. There were no successors during them. Remember, this was Joshua's problem. He didn't raise up some young person to follow him. There were no successors. Israel was left on their own. They were supposed to trust God for themselves. They were supposed to trust God for themselves. If we can't trust God for ourselves, we are in trouble. Each of us need to be able to trust God in our present situation for ourselves. I can pray for you, but I can't trust God for you. You need to trust God for yourself. Remember, they call it a personal relationship. There's a reason there. It's personal because God wants to be personal with you. But we need to trust him for ourselves in our problem. Now, we may have similar circumstances, we may have similar problems. And one of the reasons that we didn't mention that God allows us to go through problems, it talks about in Corinthians, is so that we then could minister to those who are going through the same problems. That's why we have a Freedom Through Christ program, which is being ministered to people by someone who had a drug and alcohol problem. See, that person was in those shoes, So they can say, this is what God did for me and this is how God worked for me. But those people who are being ministered to still have to catch it for themselves and apply that to their own lives. And that's why the application of the Bible is so important. It's one thing for me to teach the Bible. And if you notice, every time we teach the Bible, I throw out application. This is how we have to apply it. Because if we just read these words, that's all they become are just words. We need to apply it to our lives. This is the living word of God. And the entire thing is truth. And we need to learn from it. We need to glean from it how we live our lives today. You are Pastor Dave Shank will continue his series in the book of Judges next time you join us for A Sure Hope. In the meantime, you can listen to this teaching and others from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. 
We encourage you to download these messages so that they're available wherever you are. We know how busy life can get, but there's always time to pause, even if only for a few minutes. Those short breaks could be filled with the study of God's Word and the uncovering of treasures from its verses. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, gaining access to the latest messages as soon as they're posted. Find out more at assurehoperadio.com. If you're looking for a church family and happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love for you to come join us for a time of worship and Bible study. Calvary Chapel Cape May will soon be moving to two services, meeting weekly on Sundays at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. Both services offer nursery and Sunday school, where your children will be well cared for as they learn about the love of Jesus. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Thanks for listening to today's message from the book of Judges. We pray you'll continue to be blessed as you study the Word on your own and that you'll discover Jesus working in your life each day. Pastor Dave will be back soon for another in-depth look at this Old Testament book. So join us again right here on A Sure Hope.